and welcome to episode number 166 of the Lions Podcast presented by BetMGM. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week here by Stephen Andrus. And let me tell you, we have some fun stuff to go over here. The draft fallout. We had a hell of an NFL draft, some really, really good results here. And then we're going to talk about, you know, what does this mean not only for these teams from a betting perspective, but are there any bets that can be made Right now, are there any bets that we like? Are there any bets that are actually already in our accounts? We will talk about those. We will talk about the NBA odds and how those are shifting. Of course, if you're not following the NBA, you are missing a lot right now because the Lakers are on a free fall. They are sliding. They are injured. And um, the odds are now starting to reflect that. So we'll talk a little bit about that and what you can get some of these other teams at. And we'll close things out with the Wells Fargo over at Quail Hollow, a loaded, loaded golf tournament. And uh, depending on how you want to go about this thing, I think there's some pretty interesting guys that you can consider here as well. Steven, um, one thing we can review real quick here, uh, we're coming off the Kentucky Derby, of course, something you love. We did an entire pod dedicated to nothing but the Kentucky Derby. And, um, you know, I think that there was, I think, I think whenever we look back on it, that I think you said, you know, in our private chats here that maybe there were a couple of things in retrospect that maybe you would have done differently and maybe that you'll look at going forward. And uh, but all in all, I think that a lot of the horses that you guys were were talking about were the horses that were in contention. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, so much in, in sports betting, especially on social media these days, is just people championing their wins. But I think it's important yeah. when you lose to to just talk about it, analyze it, find where you had some blind spots and try and get better. Um, you know, it's not only for us, it's to help show other people who may be new or intermediate betters um, our process a little bit to shed some light on that. So with this Kentucky Derby, I, f I fully admit the, the top two horses, Medina Spirit and Mandaloon, that was a blind spot for me. Uh, if you go back and look at their career best buyer speed figures, they should have been in our consideration for hitting the board um, at, at the very least. And, and they weren't because I overemphasized what they had done in their final prep race. Um, they, they did not run as well. Uh, Mandaloon in particular finished sixth in that race. But if you went back at his other races, you saw how strong he was and the strong numbers he put up. And sure enough, he, he finished second in the Kentucky Derby. So um, feel pretty good about my process mm -hmm. overall. I still, you know, had the third, fourth and fifth place horses pegged uh, in our analysis. But uh, I think in future years, we certainly will, at least I will not emphasize nearly as much on the final fractions in the final prep race. If that horse has had just as strong performances in, on his resume as right. well. And um, I mean, listen, as a as a guy who really only bets horses a couple of times a year, I think this is a question a lot of people are going to ask. And so I'll just ask you. And, you know, I, I I think there's a little bit of tongue in cheek here, but maybe not. Like, should we just <laughs> should we just should we just blindly bet Bob Baffert horses? I mean, like, I mean, seriously, is it, the, the guy owns this race. And I mean, and, and you know, I, I just every single time you you look up and it's like, if it's not one of his horses winning, it's one of his horses right there in contention. And I, I'm, I'm almost to the point now where I'm like, okay, I will listen to all the analysis. I will listen to whatever, but unless the horse is like a, you know, a 50 to one or something like that, um, I might just blindly bet Bob Baffert horses. 
I mean, if if the Bob Baffert horse has a race on his resume where his career best buyer was a 98, which was tied for second in the Kentucky Derby field, then yeah, then then you should because Bob Baffert is just the master. Now the Derby record holder was seven, uh, seven wins in in the run for the Roses. Uh, he's just a master at getting horses to improve going into the first Saturday in May. Now, you still need to have a horse that has done enough to that point to show that he can improve to a mile and a quarter. I mean, I think let's look at Todd Pletcher, the guy who has the record for the most starters in Kentucky Derby history now with 59. Uh, we're not blindly betting him because most of his starters on their resume didn't have nearly what they need to, to to get to a point to improve enough to contend in the Kentucky Derby. All four of his horses this year were perfect examples of that, and we highlighted that in our Kentucky Derby podcast. Mm-hmm. So Bob Baffert just is a whiz at getting his horses to improve at the right time, but they still need to have the foundation before that for us to consider it. So in a in a in a way, yes, I agree with you. If the horse has that foundation, basically all things considered, if there's a tiebreaker, always opt for the Baffert horse. Basically, <laughs> that's that's what yeah. I'll say. Like if there's a tiebreaker, just opt for the Baffert horse. No doubt about it. But it was uh, it was super fun. And, uh, you know, it is a short sweat, but it's a sweat nonetheless. And I, I enjoy it every single year. Of course, the other big thing that went on last week is the NFL draft. Uh, this draft got a ton of of pub Steven. And this is one of the ones that, you know, one of the ones actually, I think in, in more recent memory for me that had, and maybe this has to a lot to do with the legalization of sports betting with the, the interest in the draft kind of being a little bit higher for people who normally might just kind of get the results the next day because they would have some action on it. They would have some props down on it, but man, you and I were not sold on the fact that the 49ers were going to trade away all of that, all of their future, all of that for a guy whose floor was higher by a little bit than the other two options and whose ceiling was exponentially lower. In the end, we were proven right. It was not Mac Jones. It was never, according to Kyle Shannon, it was never going to be Mac Jones. It never was Mac Jones and never was an option there. At number three, uh, the draft really got started at number three. Like we said, it goes chalk, chalk, and then it goes Trey Lance there at number three. I know you as a 49ers fan are happy because at the end of the day, you, you would, if you're going to spend all that draft capital, you certainly want someone with upside, not someone that's just got a floor. But um, from a betting perspective, you know, look, we, what we try to do with stuff like the draft is we just try to read the tea leaves, right? We're taking information. We're trying to put it together. We're trying to piece it together and then take that. And is that information enough to be bettable? Are there odds out there that are good enough for, for us to bet that information and bet what we're doing when reading the tea leaves? And, um, you know, I never bet on Mac Jones uh, going going three. That was my full fade. I think you were in the same boat with me. And, and eventually, you know, it made for a pretty good draft day. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway, not only from this draft, but from the pandemic draft of 2020, is understanding, you mentioned tea leaves, but understanding 
which team's tea leaves matter more. There are teams in the NFL that have beat reporters and media that cover that team that have been entrenched with that team for decades. The Pittsburgh Steelers is a perfect example of that. They have some legendary writers and sports journalists out there that cover that team, and they were all dialed in to the Steelers eyeing Najee Harris, and they were all right. Um, and, and, you know, whether that would play out or not, if another team would jump them is, is, is something we can talk about in, in hindsight. But going into the draft, they those reporters have sources that have been cultivated over years to try and and get information when it comes to the NFL draft. The 49ers are the exact opposite. And we touched on this in, in previous weeks. They are a absolute vault. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch don't share much. Um, they convinced the Chicago Bears to trade up one spot and give up extra draft capital for Mitch Trubisky when the 49ers were not going to take him and nobody else is going to take him. So, um, you know, when you have a team like the Steelers, I think it's you put more emphasis into that. The Giants are another example of a team like that. Last year, we heard reports from the local beat reporters that they actually had Andrew Thomas as their number one tackle and not the other two guys who were, you know, atop the odds boards. Thomas was actually the third choice for offensive linemen. And again, this year, we heard reports that despite the fact that they signed Kenny Galladay, they wanted to add another wide receiver to give Daniel Jones as much help as possible. So we bet that the Giants would take a wide receiver with their first pick. And I uh, put a little bit extra that it would be Devonta Smith. Now the Eagles traded up and spoiled that, but the, the, plus the process was playing bet, out. Yeah, 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 exactly. Even though it wasn't Devonta Smith, they still trade it down and the reporters were right. They just drafted a different wide receiver. So that plus 250 bet still hit and you still made a profit, even if you bet both of those. So with the 49ers, it's it's totally different. You know, we, we're talking about, a team that doesn't leak information. So in a way, when it comes to situations like this, my second takeaway is you have to just try and use football knowledge and football understanding of the way that coach operates and what he's done in the past. And just when it comes to draft common sense, that for me and you, it always made sense that if you're giving up three first round picks to move up to number three, would you not want the player with a, a an elite ceiling, a dual threat package and not a type of quarterback that you've always had every step of the way. So for us, it made sense. We were fading him from the start. So those are my two biggest takeaways for drafts moving forward and, and how we want to bet them. Yeah, I think one of the other things that we can do and I'll continue to do and, and of course, moving forward with these drafts as well is is as far as reading the tea leaves type stuff for these longer shot bets is going in, finding something that makes sense, finding something that you can draw a direct line to, and then betting that at longer shot odds. Now, things did fall perfectly in my lap. Things did go perfectly well for me, but um, you know, I had Justin Fields to the Bears. If you follow us on our YouTube channel, I posted a video with five my five favorite props, and Justin Fields to the Bears was one of them as a long shot. And the reason is, is because you just go in and you dig in and it was a, it was a quarterback needy team in a draft where if it fell like it did fall with Lance going third and not Mac Jones going third, then you were able, you were probably going to find a position 
where a quarterback needy team was going to be drafting up to get to Justin Fields or even a Mac Jones, depending on how high he was on somebody's board or something. So uh, I'm sure there was a handful of teams who were not willing to take the risk on Trey Lance, considering he played D2, only has you know a handful of starts under his belt, et cetera, et cetera. But when you get to, when you start talking about Mac Jones and you start talking about Justin Fields, guys who played in huge conferences, played in huge games, uh, played against the very best competition in the country, there might have been some quarterback needy teams who would make that move. And I think when we head into the draft next year, as people start to handicap it and you and I start to handicap it is looking and kind of looking at something like that, because the quarterback position in the NFL, as we know, if you don't have a quarterback, you're not winning anything. And so they will do a lot to try and solidify that position. And so uh, something I will be looking at a little bit further next year as well and trying to get some of these longer shot bets down, maybe even a little bit earlier as well. Just identifying quarterback needy teams that might be more towards that middle of the round, middle late part of the round where it's not crazy for them to make a big move up for them to make a move to come and get one of those guys and uh you know again very fortunate that it worked out that way with the 49ers taking Lance and Fields still being there at 11 and the Bears being able to move up and do that but there was a process behind it and it wasn't a dart throw and to your credit it wasn't just that the Bears were a QB needy team. This bet is a, a decision you made late in the game, not a month before the draft. Mm-hmm. It was it was that the Bears needed a quarterback. It was the Rappaport report that they were that the Niners were out on Justin Fields. And it was also the fact that the Broncos went and signed Teddy Bridgewater, showing that they probably weren't interested in taking a quarterback early. And the Panthers traded draft capital to get Sam Darnold. So now the other QB landing spots ahead of the Bears in the first round are dwindling to probably only the New England Patriots, giving them ample opportunity to possibly trade up. And that's exactly what happened. So to your credit, it was a lot of different pieces of information that gave you the idea that there was value in that bet because the odds on the Bears taking a quarterback or taking Justin Fields never adjusted or shortened to all of those in all of those pieces of information. And as you said, I mean, there it, there are some things that if we just, it, it, you know, sometimes the obvious things are obvious for a reason. And like you said, the, the Najee Harris to the Steelers, that was something that never wavered, right? I mean, and the Steelers, when everybody knew that they were going to take Najee Harris and they never came out and said like, ah, we hadn't really decided who we're taking at 24 yet. Ah, we're still, we're still figuring out who we're going to take. No, they just sat over there. They were quiet. They were just sitting back going, they, cause this team thinks, and this was something that we talked about heading into the draft. I don't agree. I think they take a big step back this year, but you know, that's I'm not in the front office and I this team still believes that they are the they are the contender that they were last year when they were undefeated. And people were talking about could this team actually go undefeated throughout the course of the year. They think that adding a running back puts them in a position to actually contend this year. And so, listen, with that line of thinking, while I don't necessarily agree, you know, running back in the first round is, is the best way to go all the time. If you believe that if you believe that you are a contender. If you believe 
that your positions are pretty locked in on both sides of the ball and you're only lacking a true three down, true NFL caliber ready, step right in, start from day one, instant impact guy. And it's hard for me to, to, to knock the pick too much for the Steelers if that's what they believe internally. And uh, and again, they never wavered from it. It was easy money. It was nice to be able to bet that. And uh, And so sometimes the obvious things are obvious. Along those lines, my third takeaway for NFL draft betting is something you talked about in previous weeks. Find options that give you the most outs. Yes, in hindsight, it's obvious that the Steelers wanted Najee Harris and were going to take him if he was on the board. But that also means that there is plenty of reporting out there for other teams that wanted a a running back to potentially trade up ahead of the Steelers and snake them for Najee Harris. In fact, I believe there was reporting that the Dolphins were trying to do that. So if you had bet on Najee Harris to be the pick for the Steelers and that happens, you're going to lose that bet. But if you bet on more than you know, 0.5 running backs in the first round, then you're going to hit that bet no matter who it is. We already have information, that strong information, that at least one team's going to take a running back if they're there. So give yourself the most outs possible in future NFL drafts. Kyle Pitts was another example of that that we highlighted. Um, his juice was like minus 300 to be under pick five and a half. But, you know, you can get better value if, you take the Falcons to draft a tight end at minus 140. So in that case, it makes sense because you are getting, you know, shorter or, or, you know, a better price on those. But when you're talking deeper into the draft, when you're not talking top five, when less things can happen, when you're talking deeper into the first round, when a lot of different things can happen, give yourself the most outs. Quick recap, quarterbacks under five and a half hits, wide receivers over four and a half hits, running backs over either a half or one and a half. It did move to depend on which book you got it at. Um, The both overs hit. It didn't matter as uh, the as the uh, Jaguar took Travis ATN with the 25th pick in the first round uh, overs on cornerbacks hit as well over four and a half cornerbacks. Eric Stokes sneaks into the first round at pick number 29. The over hits on corners as well. The over hits on Alabama players. Another one that we were looking at um, that one got done pretty easily as well. Depending on what number you got for offensive players, which was a, a prop that we had talked about here on the podcast, if you got the best number of 17 and a half, you got home. If you got 18 and a half, it's kind of a bad beat as six of the final seven players in the draft are all defensive players. It finishes out corner, wide out, defensive end, corner, defensive end, linebacker, linebacker. So kind of a bad beat if you had 18 and a half on the over offensive players as six of the final seven players are on the defensive side of the ball. But, um, you know, you, you take a look at it at some of these other things as well. You know, I was super heavily invested in the wide receivers over and, you know, this is another thing. And I bet you, I bet you we're going to find ourselves in this position again next year. And Steven, and when we're having this preview podcast next year, I hope you and I are able able to identify this, but it's not an incredible, at least things change over the course of the year. We definitely know that, but on paper, as we said a year in advance, it is not an incredibly strong wide receiver draft as we sit right now and I bet you the number is going to be too low 
yet again because we're in a passing league where teams throw not only throw the ball much more, but they line up to throw the ball much more, which means far more three wide receiver sets, which means far more opportunity for wide receivers to get on the field, which means far more need at the position to have guys that can actually play. And so it, despite the fact that the class isn't all that strong, I'll probably be looking at it over yet again next year because there are going to be teams who go, yeah, you know, but I'd rather have this this wide receiver than whatever we're going to get in round three or four. You know, I'd rather have this guy, and I bet you there's going to be more wide receivers go yet again than than what the experts think. Yeah, and I, I think that's something else to remember when you're betting on the draft, that, you know, our personal opinions of these players and the consensus of a lot of, frankly, football analysts, tape grinders, you know, the Warren Sharps of the world, our opinions on these players really are, are irrelevant a lot of the time. I mean, we had a guy in Kadarius Tony who goes in the first round of the New York Giants, who in four years at Florida didn't have as many 100-yard receiving games as Rondale Moore had in his freshman year at Purdue. And Tony goes in the first round and Moore goes in the second round. So I think every tape grinder out there, an analyst and, and metrics and measurements guy, athletic testing, said Moore should have went ahead of Tony. But that doesn't matter when we're talking about all that matters is the way these NFL right. teams are scouting them. So uh, and and just to, to drive home your point, this is a passing league. Most of these teams need three wide receivers. There, a, a lot of these guys this year were slot guys. So, um, you know, it may be weaker next year than in past years, but the need may definitely be there. Uh, and also remember a guy like Tony going over Terrace Marshall. This is another lesson I had. I was huge on Terrace Marshall. I got that one wrong. Why did I get it wrong? Because there were medicals that NFL teams had found this year on Marshall that had pushed him down their draft boards, a foot issue. Um, that that was not common knowledge until you know a day or two before the draft. So th that's something else we need to look out yep. for as well. We can think the world of these players, but if there is any type of red flag medically for a player that comes out, we need to take that very seriously. Where we sit on the Super Bowl odds didn't really change a whole lot out there, but I think maybe some of the teams might surprise you a tad. Chiefs, four and a half to one. Bucks, seven to one. Ravens and Bills, 12 to one. Rams, 12 to one as well. Seems so long ago we've had the draft and all that. If you don't remember, yes, the Rams acquired Matthew Stafford. 49ers, 14 to one. Browns, 16 to one. Packers, 18 to one. Broncos, 20 to one. Colts, 20 to one. Cowboys 25, Cardinals 30, Chargers 30, Dolphins 30, Patriots 30, Seahawks 30, everybody else 35 or longer over at BetMGM. Uh, Steven, I think the one that there was a little bit of movement on, uh, the Dolphins go down just a little bit, end up at 30 to 1. You start to look, and I mean, so their path to victory, if you believe that the Patriots are still a little bit away and we know for for sure that that quarterbacking situation are they going to start with cam newton are they just going to go with mac jones from day one you know they were so talent devoid last year they're having to fill so many different holes so there is a there is a way that you can get to the point where the patriots maybe are still a little bit off even though they're in full you know did do a pretty good job rebuilding over there i loved what the dolphins did in the draft i thought it was fantastic i thought they did exactly what they needed to do um, i like what they've done a little bit in the free agency market as well and yes i do understand that you're going up against a bills team that you know is for me one of my favorite teams 
basically on paper there is. Jets, I think we all agree, are still a couple of years away uh, on that team. So, you know, listen, all you got to do is get in the tournament, right? Um, so you're getting 30 to 1 on the Dolphins for Super Bowl. I don't know if I'd necessarily sprinkle a little bit on on that, you know, right now, but I did want to highlight it at least where it see it does seem like it's a two-team battle between them and the Bills. And, you know, if the Bills have a down year for whatever reason, if there is a little bit of a stumble, a little bit of a falter, I do think the Dolphins are on the way up. I, I think they have one of the strongest rosters uh, in the NFL with all of the um, just amazing picks that they have acquired. The GM's done an outstanding job there. Um, I, I still you know, love what the Bills are doing there. I think they have just as good of a roster and they have the elite quarterback. So it's it's hard for me to do that. But, you know, if they get in as a wild card, then potentially they could play, you know, maybe the the AFC South winner. Right. That, that division could potentially be the, the weakest in, in the league. I actually took uh, a flyer on the Jaguars to win that division at 12 to 1, uh, just knowing, you know, how decent the roster on offense was and they add all these weapons as well and they finally get a competent quarterback. If 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 Trevor Lawrence is as good as everybody's saying he is, the next coming of Andrew Luck, uh, then I don't think it's out of a question in a division like that where Carson Wentz has had issues. He's now the QB of the Colts. The the Texans are a dumpster fire. Uh, and the Titans defense was just miserable last year. I don't think that's out of the question. And that division, they're cross conference division that they have to play is the NFC West. So, um, you know, that's that's tough. So I, that that makes me shy away from the win total for the Jaguars because of that. But the rest of their division has to play those same opponents. So yep. um, I think there's a path there at 12 to one for the Jags. Let's stay um, in that. The, let's stay in that division with, with the yeah. Texans. Right. And like this is a team that, as you know, tra- traded away, uh, traded away their whole future whenever they were whenever Bill O'Brien was there, didn't have a pick until the third round then completely waste the pick taking Davis Mills, a quarterback with that Steven, by the way, has with that, with the, with the, and I'm using air quotes, talent that is on that roster has <laughs> zero chance of succeeding whatsoever. I mean, like literally has zero chance of succeeding at all in this situation. So you basically just lit a draft pick on fire unless you just wanted to draft a tackling dummy and if you wanted to do that you should have used a fifth or a sixth round pick not a third round pick you you need so much on this team you already signed Tyrod Taylor he can get you through this season um what in the world they wasted a third round pick on Davis Mills for is beyond me but what this has done and how bad this team was even going into this and how bad they di- they drafted and how bad everything was their win total drops from four and a half to four. And yes, we are talking four oh, in man. a 17 game season. I was preaching, take the under on four and a half. I think you're getting a little, you know, you're getting into push territory here since you don't have the hook on there anymore. But if I had to bet the over or the under on the number four, as we sit right now, I'm still betting under. I think this could be a historically terrible NFL team this year. Um, everybody in the league who has better sources than you and I says that Deshaun Watson's not going to play a snap for, for this team. And that's for two different reasons. If y'all remember, by the way, he was demanding a trade before all of these allegations came up against him. So there's like two different things working against him playing anything for the Houston Texans this year as well. Um, Steven, there is no talent at all on this team whatsoever. They're on it. Like you said, they're in a, in a up and coming division there with some of these other teams as well. 
If I had to play, the, I love the four and a half. I loved it. I already have it in my account. Now that it's fallen to four, I still, if I had to play the over or the under, I'd still play the under. We talked about they have to play the NFC West. They have to play the Chargers who are up and coming with a good quarterback. You know, we mentioned their division opponents twice. You got to play the Buffalo Bills and the Cleveland Browns next year. I mean, this is this is not good. They have to play the Dolphins as well. I mean, you might want to take a flyer at at BetMGM on 14 to one that a team goes 0 and 17. Right. I mean, this is this is bad, man. And, And the reason I bring it up is because we already saw it fall a half a game from the draft. And when the schedules actually come out on the 12th, so guys, just a, another thing, Steve and I are going to have uh, an in-depth kind of breakdown of all of these divisions and how, how things could shake out here once the schedule's dropped on May the 12th. But the reason I wanted to bring that up is because when this schedule comes out, because they'll make a big to-do, the one thing the NFL is awesome at is just keeping you involved in the NFL like throughout the course of the calendar year. Like they just space out all the little different events and, and it keeps you involved. But um when the schedule drops and people actually see who the Texans play and, and, and actually it's on paper in front of them, like, Oh wow, this is going to drop to three and a half and you're going to, and you're going to miss out at least on a little bit of push equity on four. So that's why I want to bring it up that if, if you want to get in, I fully believe you're going to need to do so between now and the 12th, because once the schedule comes out for the reasons Stephen just mentioned, and Maybe there's even some more finality between now and then on, you know, the Deshaun Watson situation stuff on him either getting suspended or traded or released or whatever in the hell it might be. Uh, I, I think this four is actually going to go away as well. I think we are going to see an NFL team's win total at three and a half. And not only that, in the first year of a 17 game schedule. And I fully believe that's going to happen. And I have I mean, you could not give me a free bet to bet the over on that one. No. Uh, and, and Matt, you know, we we need we need to talk briefly here about the Aaron Rodgers situation yeah. and how we're, we're if we're looking for anything actionable on this. Now, their win total, their division odds, their conference odds are off the board for obvious reasons. Um, but I'm still looking at their division rivals. If 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 these reports are true that he is this convinced that he does not want to play for the Packers ever again and we all know that He has the ability to do that if he wants. He's made all the money in the world. He's out there trying out for Jeopardy. If he doesn't want to play for the Packers anymore, he has the power to just retire and not do it. So if that happens, are you looking at some potential Super Bowl futures within that division, whether it's the Bears or the Vikings, not necessarily thinking that they'll win the Super Bowl, but potentially to give you an opportunity to hedge for a profit if they win the division. Because if Rodgers gets traded or retires, their futures are going to plummet. The Bears right now at BetMGM are 40 to 1. The Vikings, 66 to 1. I'll tell you what I did already do. Um, and again, this goes back to us just having to trust the people who who are in the league and have, as you mentioned, have gotten these sources over the course of years and years and years and years. There are guys who are pretty plugged in to Aaron Rodgers. There are guys who are pretty plugged in to the Packers who are saying that this this relationship is over. Um, that there's just no there's no mending the fences here. He was already pissed off from the Jordan Love pick, and then on top of that, they couldn't get this extension done. People are like, "Oh, but he's got all this money, and look at the contract." Yeah, it, it was it was only guaranteed for another season. He wanted it to be guaranteed throughout the rest of his tenure there in the Packers, and basically what they were doing. And I I kind of understand where he's coming from because 
you know, it, it, superstar players get superstar treatment. And, and he was basically being used as kind of an insurance plan that if Jordan Love didn't progress like they thought, then okay, then we'll go ahead and guarantee him the money and we'll sign him to the, the extension that he wants. But maybe Jordan Love is what we're looking for. And we're only on the hook with Aaron for this ton of money for one more year. And then we could get rid of him and we don't actually have any guaranteed money left on that contract. And so he was like, no, no, no. Give me the guaranteed money. They didn't want to do it. And so here we are. And where we are right now, the NFC North odds over at BetMGM are the Vikings at three to one and the Bears at three to one. And I played this Dutch dude. I just played both the Vikings and the Bears. The Lions are so far off. They're not going to get there 20 to one uh, to win that division. But I played both the Bears and the Vikings to win the division. And since you're getting three to one, you either one of them wins and you're making money here. And so um, I have the bankroll to do that so that I'm able to kind of like, you know, put up a little uh, a few more you know, units on something like this. And I think than than other people. But I even think that, you know, if you're just an NFC North fan, if you're someone up there in that area, in that part of the country and, and you're going to be watching these teams diligently. I think the Packers are going to take a big, big step down with Jordan Love at quarterback and uh, Vikings, Bears, three to one, both uh, both of those guys. That was the bet I made. I have it in the account. I feel good about it. I love how you just slip in there. My man's got the bankroll to make this bet because Matt Brown was up 33 units on the NFL draft. This guy, <laughs> my co-host, is the dog coin or is it dodge coin I don't know. My man is the dog coin of the NFL draft after this year, man. Don't be shy about it. But, but I mean, you know, I look at it, I mean, I think it's a, it's a decent way to look at it, right? I mean, like, this is what we do as betters and we try to take advantage of opportunities with them being both over three to one, we're allowed to play both teams here and still, and still get, make a profit should either one of these teams win the division. And so um, no, it's, it's, it. a, it's a rare opportunity where I feel so good about the two and three team in a division that, that I would make this bet, but I do feel so good about the two and three team in this division that I, it's a bet that I loved to, I ran to make, you know, once we saw that this, everything was falling apart and the wheels were completely coming off. And I agree with you. I think Aaron Rodgers still has all the leverage in the world. He can, he can quit and go be a part-time host of, uh, of jeopardy. He can sit out and, and if, if, if Jordan love is terrible, then they have to pay him anyway. And then if he's good, then he gets traded, and so he gets out like he wants. So I mean, like I still think he has all the leverage. If Jordan Love is 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 way better than they thought, well, they're not going to keep Aaron Rodgers on the on the roster just to you know become a distraction. So they're going to trade him. They're going to move him out of there. So uh, Vikings three to one, Bears three to one. Put both of them in the account, and uh, we'll 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 see where I sit. You know, come come January. Same exact philosophy I did in the draft in the full fate of Mac Jones, where I just bet on, on Trey Lance mm-hmm. and Justin Fields. And with, with Lance, instead of four to one, it wound up still being a net three to one payout. So I, I love the philosophy. And again, guys, uh, we're going to go through team by team, division by division, all these different bets when the schedule comes out on the 12th, try to find anything we think might be of value. These win totals are going to mean a lot more once we see the schedule, how it plays out, where these bye weeks sit. And I think another thing, um, that we can look at as far as that goes too, Stephen is, you know, there are some of these award bets that have been put out there. The, the rookie of the year bet is up at bet MGM, Trevor Lawrence plus 275 fields plus 500 Wilson plus 700 Lance plus 700 Pitts 10 to one chase 11 to one Harris 11 to one Mac Jones 12 to one. But when we get to see the schedule, 
it will help us kind of piece some of this together here. Now, I think we think I think we think we know two things. One, definitely Trevor Lawrence is going to start from day one, and we're pretty sure Zach Wilson is going to start from day one as well. But when is Justin Fields going to get his opportunity? What about Trey Lance? What about Mac Jones? One of the things that we can do is try to again, read the tea leaves and put together information once the schedule comes out. Because one of the things we've seen a lot of times with these teams is they're okay with making a change on the bye week. They will make the switch at quarterback on the bye week. It's the extra week of preparation. It's the extra week for them to get ready, get that young guy ready and for him to go in and make the start after that. And so when we look at a Fields and we look at a Lance and we look at a Jones, should we find that one of these teams has a week five by week or a week six by week or a week four by week? We can start to at least paint a picture of when we know that they might take over and there still might be some value on some of these odds as, as long as they are. If you're looking at a team that doesn't have anything until week 11, well, you know, that's not to say that, that, that you know, a Jones won't get in before that or a Lance or, or a Fields. However, there is not that natural transition point early on in the season that we found so often with some of these other teams. And so maybe I'm less apt to 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 bet one of those guys because, you know, the, the path to them getting in earlier in the season isn't quite as easy as maybe some of these other players. And so, uh, again, I think that this market will come a little bit more interesting and a little bit more eye opening once the uh, schedule comes out. Yeah, and here's the the recent trend on that. Over the past five seasons, only four of 15 quarterbacks selected in the top 15 of the NFL draft have started week one. Now, obviously, Trevor Lawrence is going to be one of those. That'll add another. But if you're thinking about Justin Fields and Trey Lance and Mac Jones, just keep that in mind. Um, You know, everything you just said, the numbers absolutely um, defend that take strongly. So we'll go through all of those um, as well whenever we whenever we take a look at uh, the schedule. Uh, the defensive rookie of the year is out as well. Michael Parsons is at four hundred. Um, Phillips six fifty. Pay nine to one. Davis nine to one. Sertan twelve to one. Collins twelve to one. Um, I think when we look at this, I've never really bet these defensive rookie of the year odds. To be perfectly honest with you, I don't. Um, just because to me, it's a uh, it's kind of a crapshoot of whoever's just going to kind of make the most counting stats and stuff. And I don't really know that right off the top of my head, but uh, I, I guess my only advice would be in this and I'd love to know what you think, but for me, I'd probably, it would, I would probably always lean towards a pass rusher because you getting the counting sacks like this counting stats on the sacks and things like that is just so easy. These corners and the reason I wouldn't lean towards corners is because if you become a very good corner, then your counting stats don't go up because they just, they avoid you. They throw away from you and, and, and all of that. And like, and plus like, you know, a really good corner stats doesn't necessarily have to be interceptions either. Like it's pass breakups, but a pass breakups isn't a stat that people like to talk about. Like you and I will look in and try to identify, you know, you know, no, this guy's great. Look at me, pass breakups. He has all that stuff like that. But you know, it's the, the lay person, the general writer who's voting on this. He's not looking at pass breakups. He wants sacks. He wants interceptions. He wants fumble recoveries, like things like that that are easy and tangible and and make a bunch of sense to him and stuff. And so 
for me, uh, the only advice I would have here in this in this market would be I would lean pretty heavily towards the pass rushers just because it's easier to get counting stats that a media member who's going to be voting on this can uh, can latch on to and justify his vote. And potentially from a team who's going to get a lot of pub, right? That's going to be in some primetime games. It's already on a good team. That I think that helps them win an award that, let's be honest, is, you know, we're talking about stats, but ultimately it comes down to votes. So a lot of these media members are going to see more of rookies who are on good teams because they're in those island games. So uh, I'm looking at BetMGM right now, and you're talking pass rushers and you know, Greg Rousseau out of Miami on the Buffalo Bills is sitting there at 20 to one. We know the Bills have a huge need for pass rush. He's going to get to play as many snaps as he needs to. And he's going to be in a lot of primetime island games right. for the Buffalo Bills in a division that, uh, frankly, has some offensive line issues. So um, that's the name that pops out to me right now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for me, if I'm ever you know betting into markets like this, I'm I'm looking for a long shot that I like yep. for sure. Yep, definitely. Um, so just just a little bit of advice there. And again, we'll break down all this stuff here in about a week and a half. Over on the NBA side of things, things have gotten very, very interesting, Stephen. Um, maybe more interesting than anybody could have expected. Listen, this has been the year of the injury. It has been a bummer. So, you know, up and down, basically the entire, you know, league here. We're talking about everyone was super high, high, happy and hyped up over the Nets. And that team has just been in and out, hasn't played, played seven games all year with all three of their stars in the lineup. Can't get healthy. We look at the Lakers, Anthony Davis in and out, LeBron James in and out, just can't stay healthy with all that. Even on the Clippers side of things, Kawhi Leonard missing time, Paul George missing time. Uh, 76ers, of course, Embiid missed a large stretch of time as well for the Nuggets. Jamal Murray goes down. He's out for the rest of the season. So just a ton of of injuries have, have plagued this season. And what it has done is started to creep up some of these odds here. The Lakers now approaching four to one, um, approaching four to one on the championship here, uh, plus 375 over at BetMGM. Nets are at 220, so just over 2-1 to one on the Nets. Clippers at 5.5, Bucks at 9-1, to one, Sixers 9-1, to one, Jazz 9-1, to one, Suns 14-1. to one. And Then we get to that Nuggets team that had gotten way, way down because they were playing so incredibly well, um, but now all the way back up to 20-1 to one with uh, Jamal Murray being out for the season. Uh, I guess my first thing to you, Lakers sitting 375 right now. LeBron, had to miss the last game. They say he's going to miss at least a couple of more games. He even said, maybe I came back a little too soon. Maybe I'm not going to be 100% for the entire rest of the season. Uh, 375 is not near enough for me on this Lakers team. I would, I'm being dead serious with you. I'd probably need, I would probably need double that for me to feel comfortable putting in a Lakers bet because they still have to go, they would have to go through the Clippers to win it all. They would have to go through, you know, the Suns. You're, you're looking at these teams in the West, they would still have to go through, much less getting over on the East side and be it either, you know, the Sixers or the Bucks or the Nets, whoever ends up coming out of that side over there. I mean, th- three, and the with the injury situation that we have right now sitting with the Suns, I mean, with the Lakers, I cannot imagine laying three, I mean, like only getting 375 on them to win the whole thing. I mean, for LeBron, high ankle sprains are tough, right? I mean, we see this all the time in the NFL where 
you know, they, they give a, a timeline for return. And then even when they come back, they just are not the same. Like high ankle sprains take a long time to recover from, uh, not just to get back on the field, but to be at your best, to be at 100%. So um, there might be some truth to that for LeBron James. Um, you know, plus 375 at BetMGM, I have seen it creep up even more at some other spots. And um, you know, I, I initially thought, man, that's the best number we're going to get on the Lakers. And when they're healthy, they are, you know, the favorite to win the NBA championship at the beginning of the year. They were, you know, close to unstoppable. So, uh, I, I, t- here's, here's, here's where I'm having trouble getting by it because just from a sheer number standpoint, it's the best number we've seen all year. But if you look at the standings, there's a very good chance that they will have to play the Clippers in the first round. We're talking about the two favorites in the West potentially playing in the first round of the playoffs. My reaction to that is give me somebody on the other side of the bracket who could walk to the Western Conference Finals potentially at a price and, you know, you, if they get there, you see, you know, what kind of value there is. If you want to hedge out for a profit, uh, if you bet the Lakers right now, you're you're all in. You not only need them to be healthy and win the West, but you need them to beat the favorite to win the NBA championship in the Nets as well. So um, I had success with this strategy last year with the Miami Heat. Um, just just looking for a team in the East at a price who had an easier path to the, the, the conference finals. Um, and if. If it looks like now I'm going to wait until we still have about seven, eight games left here at the end of the regular season as we're taping this. I'm going to wait to see how it looks like that Western Conference bracket is shaking out. And if it looks like the Lakers and Clippers are going to play in the first round, I'm looking for somebody at a price on the other side of that bracket. Yeah, man. I mean, this has just been the weirdest of NFL season. I mean, of NBA seasons. When you look at this with all these injuries and not being able to figure out things. And we're kind of speculating here, right? I mean, like this Nets price at plus 220 is under the assumption that all three of their big players are going to be in the lineup and healthy. Like the, this Lakers price at 375 is under the assumption that you have a healthy LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I mean, I think even your, your Clippers here at five and a half is still under the assumption you're going to have Kawhi and Paul George for for the course of all this. So, I mean, you are having to make some assumptions that these guys that have been in and out of lineups here are are going to be in there and going to be healthy. And for me, that's a pretty big leap for me to take. And so, I don't know. That's why, listen, I have a Suns ticket at much longer than 14 to 1 that's in my account right now. I still love this Suns ticket because that team has stayed fairly healthy and has stayed pretty much on the court and um, they're not battling injuries right now and they're not having to overcome anything right now. And so uh, I have that in the account. I feel pretty good about it. That said, if you were going to try to convince me that, you know, okay, some of these other teams still have a chance. Some of these outside teams, Hey, what if the heat get hot? I mean, they did, you know, they, they haven't had their basically their whole team, out there, they're 35 to 1 at BetMGM. Uh, they acquired Victor Oladipo, if you remember. They probably don't remember because he hadn't been on the court very much for them. But, you know, they they still kind of have uh, between Bam and Butler. And now I, well, you got Oladipo, and then you add that in with, with Hero and all those guys, Dragic. Um, they're, they're fairly deep there in Miami. You want to make a case for them at 35 to 1? Uh, listen, I'd almost listen to anything up until you get to, like, the Warriors because, I mean, the problem with the Warriors is – if Steph doesn't go for like 38, then they just can't win. Like they just don't have a second scoring option out there. So like they just can't get by 
with without him just going nuclear. But I mean, any of these other teams, if you really and truly want to sit down and make a case to me, I think I would listen. I'll make a case for you right now on one of them. Um, the Philadelphia 76ers. And I'm going to get called a homer for this. I, I understand that. I am from Philadelphia, mm-hmm. born and raised. But this we're talking about teams with injury issues and are they going to get healthy? And right now the Sixers are healthy. They're, they're only getting healthier. And I would not make this bet until we actually get to the eve of the playoffs when we know Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are healthy. Uh, but the Sixers record when all their starters play this year is 24 and four. That's the best in the Mm -hmm. league. And the other caveat to me rolling the dice on the Sixers here in the futures market, they need to get the one seed so that they only have to play either the Nets or the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals so they can avoid them until the Eastern Conference Finals. Right now at BetMGM, the Sixers are plus 375 to win the East. Um, If their starters are healthy and if they get the one seed in the East, I'm going to be interested in that. Um, And with all of the injury fallout in the Western Conference, I might even be interested if I'm getting if I feel like there's value on them to win the NBA championship. Who knows if they win the East, Mm -hmm. who they would actually play in the Western Conference. If it's not the Lakers and if it's not the Clippers, the Sixers could potentially be a favorite in the NBA finals. Um, They're sitting there at nine to one right now on BetMGM to win the uh, the NBA championship. So um they've been really damn good when they're all there and all together and healthy guys as we said this is presented by bet mgm and we are getting all the odds we talk about here on the pod from those guys over there so quick word from our friends over at bet mgm Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. And finally, Stephen, let's take this thing home here and talk a little Wells Fargo uh, championship over the over at Quail Hollow. 7,500 plus yards on this one. Just a beast of a course. Only uh, one or two other courses played longer than this over the course of the entire PGA calendar. Par 71. So they have changed up this course. It is a par 71 as opposed to uh, par 72 like it was in prior uh, years. So if you're going back and looking at course data here, just know the the last couple of years, this thing has been a par 71. So if you're digging deeper in for longer term data, you're actually going to be looking at a little bit of a different course, only par, only three par fives on this one. 156 golfers, top 65 and ties make the cut here on this one. Um, it is a bomber's course. Uh, it is average driving distance here is 18 yards longer than any other tour event so everybody is grabbing their driver here everybody's trying to get out as far as they can on this course and a lot of that has to do with the fact that 
over half the approach shots are going to be over 175 yards, and a lot of them will be 200 yards on this thing. And that might be because there are eight par fours of 450 to 500 yards on this thing. So just a beast of a course without any doubt. Six holes average at least a 25% bogey or worse rate. So a third of the holes are bogey or worse 25%. Of the time par five scoring a must here because you just don't score much on these on these par fours and so three of the par five uh, the the three par fives play as three of the four easiest holes on the entire course um let's start with what you were looking at when you were trying to whittle down this field here to your pool of golfers what stats were you looking at what stats were important to you yeah along those lines i'm looking at with these long par fours proximity from 150 to 175 yards out. Um, I am using par four scoring from 450 to 500 yard par fours. Um, and then our, our usual staples shots gained on approach shots gained ball striking. Um, you know, I am going to put a little bit of emphasis on driving distance here because it does matter so much. And, you know, one player I think is a perfect example of how you need to adjust when a course changes here. Um, Webb Simpson pops in a lot of these models this week because of past success that he's had. Um, And but if you take into account the lengthening of the course, you know, in, in the stat model that I use, He's ranked 103rd in this field in proximity to the hole from 150 to 175 yards, and he's ranked 104th in driving distance. So that puts him at a pretty big disadvantage here uh, if he's not going to be able to hit a lot of these greens in regulation. So, um, you know, along those lines, who's who's popping this week for me are the are the you know, this is a loaded field at a long course. So as you would expect, a lot of the big names near the top of the board or near the top of the model, the Justin Thomases, John Roms, Tony Finals, uh, Xander Shoffley's of the world, Bryson's up there in my top 10. Uh, but there's some others here that are popping that are maybe a little interesting, uh, maybe a sprinkle here and there. Um, Victor Hovland's been playing really well of late. Um, Corey Connors continues to pop every week. I'm, I'm not sure I'd, I'd take a shot on him this week. Um, and then Will Zalatoris, right? I mean, second at the Masters, he's shown that he can contend in the toughest of fields. He continues to play well. He hits it long enough. He strikes the ball beautifully. Um, he's gonna I, win. I, I, it's just it's not a if. Just it's where? just a win. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a it's not an if for this guy at all. Like he he's going to win. We're just like we're just waiting on we're just waiting on the tournament that it happens. But it's it's not a it's not a man. We're not going to be talking about this guy in in five years. Going, man, when's he going to get his first win? Like that's not going to happen. He he's just he right. he's just he one he contends too much, and two for today's golf, today's game, today's brand of golf, he just does too many things right. And you know, where the question is 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 when, but the question for me is also is there value left anymore? Because his odds have really shortened. The books understand this. He's almost become the Jan- the Xander Shoffley uh, situation here. I mean, um, most of the books, BetMGM, you know, he's he's under 30 to one now. Like, are you going to take a shot on that? He's 28 to one right now at, at BetMGM. There's not much value left. He is the, the ninth player on the board going into this tournament. So, you know, a lot of these guys that we looked for in the past, like you've, you've talked about Sam Burns in previous weeks, and sure enough, he broke through last week, but he did it at 100 to one. 
Um, are we? Do we really want to keep chasing a guy whose odds have shortened this much? That's my question. Yeah, I mean, to go back to Webb, I mean, so I think a lot of this, there's a lot, I think there's a lot of narrative that's going on with this as well. A little bit of success, but also he's a member at Quail Hollow. And so right. I think there's a little bit of a narrative stuff that's going on with that. At 22 to 1, there's just no way. I mean, like, he has shorter wow. odds than Finau, Zalatoris. I understand he's been playing horribly, but I mean, Cantley, Reed, Neiman, Homa, who won this the last time out, by the way. There was no 2020 event, but in 2019, Max Homa was the last guy to, to, to win this tournament. I mean, you're getting better odds on all those guys who I think's win equity is exponentially higher than than Webb Simpson. I mean, when we look at this, I think this is a driving distance course. Like, I actually have that weighted most heavily in my model, to be honest with you. So I have driving distance way up at 30% of the weight in my model. Um, I have good drives, not necessarily uh, strokes gained off the team. Like I'm looking at it. So good drives, a proprietary thing over at this, um, over at fantasy national, which I use to do these models, but it's basically like, Hey, you don't necessarily have to hit the fairway, but if you're in that first cut of rough and you're still able to get it on the green on the second, like we're still going to consider that a good drive because today's golfers, again, they're just so good. They're so big and so strong where it used to be like, if you miss the fairway, you basically were going to not get, not, not get to the green and um, not to get the green regulation. And then that's just changed over the course of the years. So the, I like this stat a lot. At par five scoring weighted fairly heavily here because these par fours are just so damn hard that I need somebody who's going to go and take advantage of, you know, again, they, the par fives are three of the four easiest holes on the entire course. Um, I also have uh, par four scoring 450 to 500 yards. I also have opportunities gained plugged in here. Opportunities. I just want guys who have a chance on some of these on some of these par fours to, to make a putt. Like I don't want somebody putting from the middle of the green every single time. And it's just par, 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 par. Like, you know, I want, I want a guy who at least has a chance to be getting there. So I put that in there and then I also had scrambling put in as well. Um, because again, these greens for whatever reason have tend have shown to be a little bit harder to hit a little bit harder to hold. And so with that, I want guys who are, who are scrambling well, who can kind of, take advantage of maybe some of these other guys who are struggling whenever they get up there around the green as well. But I mean, Webb is 104th in this field and driving distance over the last 36 rounds. And I, I truly believe you're going to need to get out there in order to be able to have success. I mean, when we look at driving distance of the past three winners here, um, uh, Max Homo was 23rd in the field. Jason Day was ninth in the field. And Justin Thomas, now it wasn't for the Wells Fargo, but they played the PGA Championship here at this course in 2017. Justin Thomas led the field in driving distance that year. So I, I really think driving distance is going to be pretty huge. Uh, scrambling, Max Homo was second in the field in scrambling. Jason Day was second in the field in scrambling. Justin Thomas was 30th. So uh, you got to, I think you got to be able to scramble. I think you got to be able to drive. And so, uh, par five scoring as well. Homa second, Jason Day second, Justin Thomas 11th in the field in par five scoring uh, whenever they won this tournament over the last the three times that it's been played. Uh, so that was important to me as well. And so where that kind of makes me end up here, and this 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 leads me to my question to you. Rom 10 to 1, JT 10 to 1, Bryson 14 to 1, Hovland 16 to 1, we're mentioning four names before we get to Rory McIlroy, who is sitting mm -hmm. at 18 to one. He has unbelievably awesome 
course history here if you believe in course history and if you are a course history person. Now, if you are a recent form person, you are going to run like hell from from Roy McElroy. Roy McElroy has I, I will say this though. He has 9 starts on this course and he has 7 top 10s of those 9 starts on this course. So he has destroyed this course. I mean, seven of the nine times has been in the top 10 when he has played this course. You know me. I've been on a huge Rory fade. I've made a lot of money being on a huge Rory fade. Now this number creeps up to 18 to one. I'm getting to the point now where I'm going to start to look to buy back in as opposed to fade because now the market has, I think, almost started to over adjust just a little bit. I don't know if 18 is it, but we're getting damn close. And he has not played since the Masters. So I think that I would have to imagine that he has taken that time to try and recalibrate his game. He admitted to trying to basically keep up with Bryson DeChambeau off the tee and it just screwed up his swing. So he's had a month now to kind of figure things out, get back to to what he was doing before. And he's coming to a course where he's had a ton of success. So um, I hear your argument on that. Um, I, I would not bet the derivatives on him because I think you lose value doing that. If I'm going to bet it, I would just bet the outright. Um, Oh, it's tough, right? It's scary. It's scary because he's been so bad. Yeah. The value is there. I can't, I can't go wrong with that. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's like Colin Morikawa when I bet him at concession, right? I mean, he, it's a course fit and it, and he's, he was playing pretty well, but not that well. And I, I like it. I can't argue against you on this, but I would only bet him on the outright market as, as part of my group of, of outright bets that I like to do on a given. Yeah. Week. I can't argue against any of the short shots really here. I mean, Rom might be the best all around overall weekend week out player on the tour. Uh, Justin Thomas last week, if his putter hadn't failed him, he'd have probably won last week at the Valspar. His problem, he led the field. Strokes gain off the tee, strokes gain tee to green, strokes gained approach. Led the field, was first in all three of those categories. Putting, 67th. It just, he couldn't make a putt to save his life. If he would have, he probably would have won the tournament. This seems like a perfect course and setup for Bryson DeChambeau. This is hit it as far as you can. The rough is not all that penal. So, you can just kind of do that whole, you know, bomb and gouge thing that, that Bryson does and he can have some success here. So hard for me to make a case against any of those guys. And if somebody wanted to tell me that they're gung ho for one or any or all of those dudes, then I would say, you know, more power to you because I, I can't. It's hard for me. Listen, I there are courses out there you can make cases against Bryson DeChambeau. This isn't one of them. I will tell you that in, in tournaments like this, where I'm seeing a lot of the favorites, um, you know, near the top of the stat model, uh, it's a situation where I typically like to wait and, and live bet the outright market. Um, I had success with that with Brooks Kepka at the Waste Management. Um, he wound up dropping all the way down to 30 to one, despite shooting three under in the first round. Uh, and some of the other big names shot a little bit lower than that, so it, it pushed his odds down. 
Uh, so I'm going to be looking for potentially one of these pre-tournament favorites to to have a, a solid first round, but maybe not one of the elite rounds and see if their odds go down a little bit if some of the other big names are at the top. So and, and conversely, like even if they do have a really good round, like you're not going to get after one round of golf, it, the odds on a Rom or Thomas or like they're not going to be that much worse than 10 to one. It, right. it can't be that much worse than 10 to one. So you have a round under your belt to like see how they're playing and see what's going on. And yeah, maybe they're eight to one, seven to one, six to one, but you have, you have the luxury of a shitload of information, right? Like you have taken in an entire round of golf in order to see what, what they look like and how they're playing and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, I don't mind that at all. I love Victor Hovland. Uh, he's going to be the first one on my card, even though I think one of the, I think if you had to like, you know, tell me truth serum, I do think one of Rom Thomas or DeChambeau wins this tournament. I actually do believe that. But um, just at these prices, it's just too low for me. So right. uh, I, the first guy that makes my card is Vic Hovland, as, cr- as steady Eddie as you could possibly be, and ev- does everything that I'm looking for well here. I mean, we're looking at driving distance inside the top 40, uh, good drives, 24th in this field, 10th in par five scoring. He's fourth in ball striking. He's second in par fours, 450 to 500. He's fourth in opportunities gained in this field. Um, that is just amazing. I mean, across the board, he is inside, you know, in all of these categories that I find really to be important this week. And and Victor Hovland checks every single one of the boxes. And I, his game translates to all different types of courses really really love him he is on my list here um i will probably have a couple of sprinkles just being perfectly honest i'll have a couple of sprinkles on zalatoris and neiman i i understand that um we're still looking for the greatness to fully shine through for four rounds for these guys but zalatoris and neiman are going to win a i mean just going to win a massive amount of tournaments on the pga tour and I'm not going to get left out here when both of them are playing as well as they're playing right now. So I, I, I'm definitely going to do that. I, I will say this, too. If you're looking down the odds, you're going to run into Brian Harmon probably way earlier than you thought. And like you're going to go look and you're just like, oh, OK, he won this tournament. Well, let's remember that was in 2017. That was when this course was being prepped for the uh, was being prepped for the PGA Championship, and so this tournament was played on a different course. I think this course is too big for Brian Harmon. Um, and again, this this he did he won this tournament in the name. He won the Wells Fargo. He did not win the Wells Fargo on this course, and so it, it's. Um, Something to, I think, take into your handicapping there that people are kind of giving him, chalking him up for a win that, yes, he won, but this course is just a different animal. Two other names I'll highlight um, that one's going to be pretty high in models this week that I'm, I'm calling I'm calling BS on. Uh, that's that's Matt mm-hmm. Wallace. Um, he's done a lot with approach game recently, um, but he's kind of in that same vein um, as Webb Simpson, where he's outside the top 50 in this field in you know proximity to the hole from 150 to 175 and driving distance as well. So he's going to be at a disadvantage off the tees here, and he ranks outside the top 140 this year in strokes gained off the tee. Um, but another player who is interesting at long odds is Cameron Davis to me. Um, he is a guy who is 11th in this field in driving distance, he is 23rd in strokes gained tee to green, eighth in strokes gained off the tee. 
uh, and pretty good ball striker. Top 20 in this field in ball striking. Um, getting a decent price on him. Um, so he, he's 100 to 1. Maybe that's that's somebody you bet in the top 20, top 30 market uh, to get right. a little bit of value. Um, I don't, you know, he, he won the... You know, Team Mullet won the Zurich Classic in the two-man event, but this is a totally different animal in a tournament like this. But you know, that I see a little bit of value there in the derivatives market for Cameron Davis. Yeah, and so this leads me to kind of some of my other plays here. And of course, all of these, any of these guys we mentioned, guys like I always play, you know, a top twenty bet or a top ten bet or whatever on on these guys as well. You don't want to be left, you know, you don't want to be left holding just an outright ticket and then these dudes like you know finish fifth or something. So <laughs> a lot of these guys I'll always be ha- holding some other sort of ticket with. But you know, Stuart Sink, and I think this is one of those things where we just have to kind of we just kind of have to understand that what we traditionally think as people age, they are are getting worse. And and Stuart Sink for whatever reason has found the fountain of youth. Steven, he is 18th in this field over the last four tournaments in driving distance. Wow. 18th. Stuart Sink, 47-year-old Stuart Sink is 18th in this field in driving distance. He's second in good drives. He's 30th in par five scoring, 27th in scrambling, fifth in ball striking, third in opportunities gained. He's just on an incredible heater right now. And while I don't think that the win equity is necessarily super high, I love a top 20 bet, even a top 10 bet on someone like on someone like Stuart Sink, I think is really, really strong and something that I would have um, that I'm, I'm going to have, you know, in my accounts as well. So certainly something that if I were you guys, I would be taking a look at as well. And another guy here, if we want to do this, uh, you know, course fit, course horse type thing, Aaron Wise is 125 to one at BetMGM. He is number 21 in my 36-round model. He's inside the top 60 in every single one of the categories that I was talking about that I had modeled out this week. Um, He has two starts in this tourney. He has two two top 25s. One of those was a T2 in 2018. So, yes, this guy finished runner-up in this very tournament. All eight rounds that he's played in this tournament, he's played at par or better. Um... And then again, he actually checks a lot of the boxes across the board here. I think for a 125 to one long shot, Stephen, you could do a lot worse than a guy that one checks a lot of boxes, two has had uh, success here in his only two starts as well. Um, I, I like me some Aaron Wise here as a long shot, but definitely as one of those kind of like top 20, top 10 finish type guys. I'm looking at at the model here. Last 24 rounds, Stewart Sink, fifth in this field in strokes gained on approach, man. It's unbelievable yeah. what he's doing at his age. And over that course of time, still top 40 in driving distance and, and tee to green. That's that's just amazing, man. I mean, gives gives hope for us all, right? It really, I mean, listen, a top 20 at BetMGM for Stewart Sink is plus 275. That's, you know, yeah. I mean, like, like this dude has been on fire. I mean, this guy has been, he's playing the best golf, arguably of his, of his entire career. And you're getting, you're getting nearly three to one on a top 20 finish for him. And so uh, if you're going to grind out these golf bets, you know, you got to play these other markets other than just outrights, or you're going to look up at the end of the year and you're going to be negative a million units because you haven't, you haven't like helped yourself along the way. So something to keep in mind 
as you uh, as you're as you're playing some of these as well. But I mean, some of these names, you're still getting plus money on some of these names that we just talked about, you know, that we love. If you're looking here, I mean, Will Zalatoris plus 140 for a top 20 finish. Joaquin Neiman plus 150 for a top 20 finish in this thing. Um, so Max Homa, who, by the way, is is playing really good golf, playing in is in good form and won this damn thing the last time that, that, that it was played is at plus 175 as a top 20 finish. So um, definitely look at those alt markets as well, because there are a lot of a lot of different ways that you can bet this thing and a lot of different ways that I think that you can uh, that you can make some money on this tournament. But I'm looking forward to this thing. Really deep field, really strong field and. Um, you know, two weeks out from from the PGA, this is, uh, you know, next week is certainly going to be weak. So this this uh, this will be the last good one we have for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think I'm going to have a Max Homa ticket this week. I think he checks a lot of the boxes for me at 33 to one at BetMGM. Um, played well last week. And I actually already have an 80 to one ticket for him at the U.S. Open for Torrey Pines, you know, West Coast guy going back there. So I think he's a good fit at Torrey. Um, so that just something else to keep in mind here down the road, because if he wins again, that 80 to one is going to be long gone. Yes, definitely going to be going to be super long gone. So those are the guys that I'll have in my in my player pool this week. And I think I will at least say this. Um, look, his irons failed him. His putter failed him all week long and whatever. But outside of that, Keegan Bradley is playing just phenomenal golf. I mean, like the guy, really you know, the guy can't putt to save his life. And since they got rid of that anchor putter, he just has never been able to find the stroke. But man, everything else he is doing so incredibly well. Do I think that means he could win? Maybe not necessarily win. But again, some of these other markets out there, I don't think he puts well enough to win this thing. But I don't boy, I don't think he hits he it is, far enough this week either to win uh but he could contend he, he's he's gonna be in the mix though I yeah think. I, he's i'm with you he, he's been popping in the model for like a month straight now and he almost won last yeah week. yeah and, and what i really like about him just his par five scoring is so 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 high and so again i i i think you're gonna have to score on these par fives or you're gonna have no chance and he's in the top 10 in par five scoring in this field as well. So another guy that I would at least keep an eye on, have some sort of ticket. So you don't look back and say, damn, I can't believe I I let that one get away guys. Uh, this is, of course, just the audio version. We have a, an incredible amount of written content over at thelines.com, so be sure and head over there. Steven and the team uh, really, really putting out some some good content here with some good breakdowns. And if you want to really just dig into this golf tournament a little bit more from a written standpoint, there's a lot of good written articles over there as well about all of this. And, of course, we keep you up to date on all of the different line changes, the movements, how things are trending and stuff like that so that you can stay on top of all that as well. And, and we have our YouTube channel channel so be sure you can head to the the uh, the homepage of lineslines.com and there's just a little youtube button there so be sure and click that go over subscribe to the channel as well we're putting out tons of videos every uh, every single week and and we're going to really really crank that up here in the coming weeks as well so be sure and don't miss out on anything everything we do at this establishment steven is free we don't charge you for a damn thing the podcast is free the site is free the youtube stuff for everything's free we're, we're just we, we just want to help you make more money hopefully you can just make money along with us yeah man nope that's all no we're trying pay to do walls, n- none of that like half article yeah. free so just you know when you guys go and, and and subscribe to the youtube page or interact with the stuff that we post on twitter uh, it goes a long way it helps us out so we really appreciate when you guys do that 
uh, just as a as a thank you for the for the free content. So um, thank you for you guys for doing that. Thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, let's go make some money this week. If you want to follow Steven on Twitter at Steven Andrews one, you want to follow me at Matt Brown M two. For Steven, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. <laughs>